cast to discuss the 1980s TV show Scarecrow Mrs. King. I'm Jen Peterson, and I'm joined by friends Lexi Fema and Tia Johnston. Today we'll be discussing Season 4 Stemwinder, which is a two-part episode. We discussed Part 1 last time, and today we'll focus on Part 2. This episode aired September 26, 1986. As we discussed last time, the episode was directed by Bert Brinkenhoff and written by Robert Gilmer and George Geiger. And for guest stars, we talked about most of the primary guest stars in part one, but there were a few new ones in this episode. The first one is Dana Lee, who played Harlan. Harlan is a member of Lee's family that helps out in the beginning of this episode when they are on the run. Dana has an interesting background as he was born in a village outside of Canton, China, which makes sense. That's very interesting. His family immigrated to the U.S. 7 and settled in Texas. He started taking acting classes in high school and then moved on to L.A. He got his big break acting in Kung Fu in the early 1970s and went on to be involved in many TV favorites, such as Police Story, Starsky and Hutch, The Greatest American Hero, A-Team, MacGyver, Dynasty, and, of course, my favorite, Hunter. He was also in the movie Rambo with Sylvester Stallone, which must have been a lot of fun. In 2005, he was a part of a primary cast in the show Dr. Ken. He went on to play in Madam Secretary, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is a very funny show, and has most recently worked on several short videos. The next guest star is Sam Melville, who played Joe King. We talked about Sam in Season 3, episode The Wrong Way Home, where he played Joe, as well as Season 2's episode Murder Between Friends, where he played the villain, Glenn Tucker. And that's all I have for guest stars. In Stemwinder 2, after Alexi Makroff's elaborate plan comes together, Lee and Amanda find themselves number three on the agency's most wanted list. They are now hunted by the KGB and the agency. They only have each other. Will that be enough? Dun, 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 dun. So for this one, we do have a script uh, and it's the revised shooting final. It's dated July 24th, 1986. And... This time, it actually has a prologue, which is kind of fun. Uh, I was going to read it if you guys are okay. So it says, fade in a recap of Stemwinder Part 1. And then it's superimposed last week. It says, in Moscow, Alexei Makarov needs a DC contact to repay a heavy debt. He has the dossiers on Leah and Amanda. In DC, the agency readies Stemwinder, a war game test of nuclear strategy. Billy assigns Lee to a peacock dance with the KGB's Sonia Chenko. Amanda acts jilted so Lee can be seduced and give Sonia radio frequencies. Sonia strings along her control, Rostov, while helping her grandfather, Alexei, use Stemwinder as the noose in which the scarecrow is going to hang himself. Alexei fakes his way into the war college and prepares to kill Stemwinder umpire Philip Dart. Alexei overpowers Lee during his tryst with Sonia. Amanda loses track of him. Worst news is Dart's been murdered. Stemwinder is sabotaged by the Soviets with frequencies Lee was never supposed to give Sonia. Agency chief Dr. Smith calls Lee and Amanda traitors. Lee contacts Amanda via TP Aquinas and tells her they've been set up by his old nemesis, Alexei Makarov, who was thought dead. Lee eludes Billy at the grocery store. Dr. Smith puts Billy on a D1 death probable manhunt. The crisis forces Lee and Amanda to confront their feelings for each other and admit they're in love. But pursued by the agency itself, Lee and Amanda have no choice but to run for their lives, hoping to find Alexi and prove themselves innocent. Fade out. Isn't that kind of cool? It is cool. 
Yeah. A recap, too. It's like basically given a, a high level overview of the episode. All, literally all of the detail, just none of the fluff. <laughs> I do like how this opens, though. This is the first and only time we actually get a last time on Scarecrow and Mrs. King, you know, because everything's always just, you know, fits into the 45, 48 minutes or so. And it's mm-hmm. kind of nice and condensed and you move on, right? And it's an episodic, right? This one's, you know, it, it's, it stretches from uh, two episodes, over two episodes. So it's kind of nice uh, that we actually get a, a recap from a voiceover, which it's kind of is definitely not as elaborate as the thing I just read, but it definitely is uh, um, a nice little recap. You know, he's had nine yeah. years to plan his revenge. kind of thing. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. So it does open uh, in an area we've seen multiple times. They've used this just recently. We saw it in Three Little Spies. Remember when the trucks, the semis were going by and and Amanda and Nadine confront Pam Gentry. So this is in that same area. This was also the same area that they did um, season three's J. Edgar's Ghost when they confront um, Nick Cross. This happens in that same area. So, um, yeah. yeah, so they've definitely used this multiple times. The scene opens, and it's kind of funny. The video is, like, paused, and then it, like, moves forward. Do you guys ever notice that? Um, so it uh, has Lee, and he's around a, a barrel uh, with a fire going in there so to keep warm. And then you see, uh, suddenly you see Amanda pop out of this box. <laughs> so she's, like, a homeless person. And uh, she comes out like she doesn't want to touch anything like <laughs> her hands, you know, like when you touch something gross and you're like, all like, oh, I have sticky on me now. You know, it kind of has that look. It's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's a trooper. I mean, she, yeah. she'll really stand by him through anything at this point. Yeah, no it's doubt. Really <laughs> it goes without saying, but they both look pretty gorge for uh, <laughs> having <laughs> been living in a box all yes. night. And then they kiss, yep. and I'm like, dude, you haven't even brushed your teeth, you know? So, I thought about that, yeah. It's like the uh, Nightcrawler later uh, on. Yes. Nightcrawler scene, I always think of that, like, right. dude, she hasn't brushed her teeth in, like, a week. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that kiss is so... When you're in love, they don't care. <laughs> it's early love, it's new love. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so, um, you know, she comes out, and... Uh, She's wiping herself off. He's like, hey, how you doing? She's like, you know, I guess so. I'm doing all right. I've never been a fugitive before. And then he compliments her, which is really nice because we ended the last episode with him saying that he's not going to be able to baby her out there. And then he gives her a compliment from right off the right off the bat, which is nice that, um, you know, she ran the avoidance patterns um, better than anyone he's seen or just as well as anyone he's seen, maybe. And uh, she's like, well, kind of. As women do, oftentimes, she just brushes it off like, well, it's my neighborhood. I know where the loose fences and the mean dogs are. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, oh, poo-poo. It's not right. big. Downplaying like, it. Yeah, but, downplaying but it's a big deal. He wouldn't have gotten away if she wasn't there helping him. Exactly. I mean, maybe he would have, but, like, she she absolutely helped him. She yeah. take the credit, especially if he's giving it to her. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's nice to see that he's not feeling like he has to baby her, as he said in the last episode. Yeah. So. But she does look dirty. She's, I mean, on the sleeve there, it's like dirt. You know, there's, it's definitely dirty. His suede jacket looks nice still. <laughs> the jackets. Many jackets. <laughs> this is one of his nicer ones, I think. Yeah. It's a, yeah. You can tell it's a suede one. It's nice. But um, anyway, so they're kind of catching up. And he mentions um, that 
he mentions that he was able to get word to uh, some of his family that the agency doesn't know that the agency doesn't have a full list of um, his his eyes and ears out there, which is which is a good if if they've learned nothing like if they didn't have this stuff set up before it's they're going to in the future because just in case something ever happens like this again for them, they realize how important it is that the agency doesn't know everything because they could be enemy number one like that. Right. Yeah. Lee's explaining that Alexi's built this, this incredible frame around them and he doesn't have anywhere to go that, that this is exactly what Alexi wanted, but he's like, we're going to beat him. I swear it. Which is really nice. And then, yeah, Amanda's like, it's not just the agent. It's not just Alexi. It's the agency. They're all over the place. And he says, there's a few rocks they won't be able to turn over. Well, mm, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) In a second here, they're going to flip over a rock here. So Lee's saying that he does have a few tricks up his sleeve. He's got some family that the agency doesn't know about. Overnight, he went out, left her sleeping, I guess, and uh, left her shortly to make a call so he got word to his family and so now amanda not lee notices the band that pulls up that has help that lee was just talking about that he called out to for his his family lee goes to the guy comes out of the shadows kind of and talks to him and the guy hands him two bags he said hey any problem he goes well i I spotted a couple of ufos outside of the the restaurant but I think I lost him kind of thing. And he's like, you shouldn't have taken the risk. And he's like, I couldn't leave you hanging, man, which is nice. And that's, it shows how much his family will support him. Yep. He said, now there's 10 grand under the chow mein and there's two pieces, <laughs> two guns um, under the Peking duck. Cause you know, you would put your Peking duck. You'd obviously put it under, you know, the guns underneath that. Of course, that's where the pieces go. Yeah, mm-hmm. For sure. So then um, he takes off. He thanks him and takes off. Well, then Lee spots uh, like a sedan, you know, a a nondescript sedan coming out from the shadows as soon as they see Lee. Lee yells to her and says, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. So he grabs her and they take off. And uh, then you got these vehicles all coming right on him. There's two vehicles that are that are pinning him down. So they're kind of stuck. I mean, it's hard. That's a hard uh, thing to do to outrun two cars like that when they can come at you at both angles, you know, yeah. especially when yeah. they're, they're agents. Amanda starts taking off right with them and then the car pursues them, obviously. And then they hide. Uh, they get around a corner and Lee then gets rid of the food. So the poor things aren't going to even be able to eat. <laughs> and uh, they dump the food and then Amanda grabs the um, the money and then he grabs the guns and then they they take off again but then they get caught down this alley which is so you think oh they're freaking screwed but then they there's fence a fence on each side and one car gets through the other one doesn't and then they're trying to get through uh the into the building it's aware of an abandoned looking like looks like an abandoned warehouse and uh, he he finally gets them through it and they jump in and then the cars have to then go back to the guys the agents have to go back to their vehicles and then go around the front to get them so then they come out Ali and Amanda come out the front and hide and then they see this truck that's leaving and they decide they're going to jump on that I have to say I have to give props where props are due Kate Jackson freaking ran and kept up with Bruce and they were running sure freaking full speed. And I would like to make note. She had a freaking heart murmur. 
at that time. Wow. And she ran and she kept up with him. She was like a great athlete in general, right? She oh, played for tennis. Sure. And for sure. So she went, even though she had a heart murmur, it didn't seem to slow her down very much, which is good. She did say she couldn't run like, you know, everybody was running and stuff into the running thing. And she said she could never understand why she couldn't do a lot of the running like everybody else because she's mm-hmm. in such good shape. But it's because of her heart murmur. So she kept up with him, though. I want to point that out. She and sure she did. looked freaking badass. I, I love Martha, but Martha, as Francine, at least, ran like a girl, like a, a sissy girl. You know what I mean? Not, yeah. like, a, not like a badass she's, she's girl. She's even, like, foiled her arms. Yeah, she did. She kind of, like, the way she would run. No offense to her. Yeah. And it was probably the character <laughs> thing doing that. But I'm saying yeah. Kate looks like a freaking badass. She does right there. She kept up with them. She totally did. And and he's running hauling. He's hauling ass too. It's not like he was like going slow just to keep up with her, you know, for her to be able to keep up. They were both running their asses off. Yep, they were. Anyway. It seems like they should have gotten caught, but. Of course they should have, but it wasn't. I mean, these are supposed to be spies. <laughs> but you know what? I would put my money on Scarecrow as an agent over any of those other yahoos. You know what I mean? Well, of course. Yeah. They were surrounded. And, and and Amanda was it was trained by him. So it makes sense that they would be able to outmaneuver them. So you could. And they have that. a hell of a lot of motivation. Like to, to keep go. going and not get caught. There you go. That, that's going to play a factor into it. Yeah. Like the agency's best agent and his love interest. Right. If there's if there's any two people that are going to get out of a bad situation, it's going to be those two. Yeah, for sure. they have everything on the line, everything personally and professionally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And but think about this, guys. They were that. There's a D one out for these guys. Well, at least for Lee, there's a D one for him. So mm-hmm. they could have easily. They were within their rights legally. You know, they had the the authority. I should say, they had the authority to to shoot him right there i mean obviously that would have been a bummer it kind of been a crappy episode the rest of the time (laughs) but i'm saying they could have you know they could have totally taken him out right then yeah i'm glad they didn't yeah Yeah. for sure for sure so they do make it onto the truck and it's kind of cool they jump on and i know kate and bruce were probably already in there and this is their stunt people getting jumping in and stuff but then they pop their heads out and he's like they got to my family we don't have a home. I've always wanted to do that. Jump onto a movie truck or train or something like that. You missed your calling, I think, as a as a stunt double uh, for yeah. somebody. It'd be fun, right? You gotta time it just right and sleep in there. Yeah, that would have been that one. What I would have done. I think maybe the train car could be cool, but I don't think I'd want to do a, a vehicle. A vehicle leaves too much room for error. I feel no. Like see, I would do. I would do a vehicle like that over a train. Yeah. Take you yeah, take you under, you yeah. Yeah, but the train has a better like landing spot. I'm thinking like a big open, like you know, empty floor, and it's got like the handhold to grab. Sure. This is a car. You got to like time it to dive in into like a smaller opening. I feel like I'd have a better shot with a train. <laughs> Luckily, and, and we won't have to deal trying. with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and trains are kind of slow. It, it's true. Yeah. In the script, it's a little bit different, only in the fact that Amanda then says, when he says, we don't have a home, she goes, well, we'll find another one. We'll find another oh, home or something like that. that. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good to say. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. All that excitement. That was definitely a, a fast opening, right? Then we go, we cut to Dottie at her home being interrogated by none other than Billy Melrose. 
and uh, she is at normal person's 20. She's at a dotty 11, you know. (laughs) (laughs) She is on boiling right now. (laughs) She's not at a simmer. She's at a boil. And and she tells him, she's like, we've, you know, we've gone over this a dozen times. (laughs) I cannot do it again. And then she picks up the teapot and she's like, her hand's just shaking. She is just boiling at this point. And Billy just quietly takes it from her and pours for her. And he's (laughs) like, you know, I'm not at liberty to say. She goes, don't give me that. And she hits the table. I mean, she is, she is definitely, Billy's probably like, holy shit. (laughs) I do not want to be on this. I'd rather deal with Russian agents (laughs) than this woman. (laughs) She is, she is not an easy one to, to try and uh, coddle, you know? And then she's telling him, you come in here, you terrorize me, you terrorize my grandchildren. (laughs) She goes, you interrogate us like we're criminals, occupy our ho- house, tap our phones. I want to tell you something. I have some questions, too. And he's like, I'm sure you do. And fortunately, I'm not liberty to say. She gets mad. You are at liberty to do anything you darn well please. And then she's like, where is Amanda? Where, where is she? When's she coming home? Who is this Stetson man she keeps mentioning? So she's really, really ticked. And, and then another agent comes in and he tells Dottie that Joe's there her ex-husband this was really interesting and I know it's something super minor but I thought it was kind of interesting in the script when Joe comes in he says it'll be all right mom and he calls Dottie mom which seems weird I guess like in my situation my husband would call my mom mom to her when talking about her he doesn't he doesn't say mom he says your mom but when he talks about my mom to his mom, he calls her by her first name. <laughs> so I don't know. Mm. Ma- I guess it makes sense that they were married for a long time and he would call her mom. It just seems weird because he doesn't do it here. And it just seems a little odd. Um, no, he does. Oh, no, he doesn't. No, he, I, you're thinking the script. Um, I don't think it's super weird, but. No. Because it's not like they ended on bad terms. And some families are like that. Like they. Yeah, um, some families like mine. Is- my mom, when my mom, when uh, we got engaged, my mom said, just call me mom once. The first time will be weird. And then after that, it won't be a big deal. So we did it. That's so cute. Yeah. The best. She's so cute. And, um, and then my mother-in-law, <laughs> to this day, after 26 years of marriage, almost 27 now, uh, she still signs everything Lillian. <laughs> <laughs> At least she doesn't make me call her that. No, but I do have to call her Lillian, which is, you know, I wouldn't be able to call her mom because she's so not. Yeah, she's like the opposite of my mom. Not that I don't love her. It's just she's very different from my mom. And I don't know if I would be able to call her mama. I don't know. So it's weird. But yeah, I would have called my father in law dad, though, because he's just he was a very warm and nice um very i was very comfortable around him you know what i mean so i would have called him dad if he would have been all right with it but we weren't married that long before he passed jen what do you do for your in-laws well i i wouldn't call her mom anyway but she goes out of her way it's interesting to find all the cards for every holiday that say yes my son and daughter-in-law yes yes and then she signs it, you know, you know. Really? Yeah. You know how it is to find um, uh-huh. cards like that for like every holiday? It she is. She goes out of her way to find them. Otherwise, you just say. 
to the both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Or agreed. 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 It's very odd. So weird. Yeah. She's like making it a point. There is a dynamic. There is a dynamic, Lex, that it's very like the relationship my dad, the relationship my husband Lane has with my mother is different. Like she loves him to death and just, you know, but when you have it the reverse, when it's the mother's son, mm-hmm. it's, it's something there. And I don't know. And I, I have two boys of my own. I don't have girls. I only have boys, not only, but you know what I mean? I have boys. And so I wonder how, I can't imagine I'll be like that. Cause I, I feel like I'll, I'll be like my mom and be like, call me mom, you know, and you know, be kind of like cool. I hope I'll probably be lame yeah. and stupid, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like I would hope I would be like more like my mom versus more like Lane's mom. Yeah. You know, even though it's the boy's side. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. hard. I mean, she goes out of way to, like, if we go out to dinner, we buy them dinner, which we do a lot, like, almost every time. Or she thanks him. Um, so she's, oh, right? Lexi, your oh, face like was hilarious. Lexi's like, like, oh, right. you, you don't so tell talk about just, that. That's just his money, huh? Oh, it drives me crazy. Oh, that would bother me. That would really bother me. Oh, so. Um. Yeah. Some yeah, it's, I'm it's, sure there's a lot of good relationships out there. I hope so. Yeah. I hope there's more than I think, but I don't know. I I I plan to be a good mother-in-law and not mm-hmm. a cold, like a cold, only talking to my son and not talking to the, you know, daughter. Yeah. 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 I'll feel Me like, too. I feel like, oh, I'll get a daughter finally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But of course, both of my kids are like, I'm not getting married. So I'm like, oh, great. No grandkids. No, <laughs> nothing. That's it. Well, they're young. <laughs> I know they are. I know. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah, he does call her mom twice in the script, which I thought it was just, it, it was like, I was reading that. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, whoa, mm-hmm. really? So then they hug. So they obviously, we see that they have a, a, a still, like you said, they had a, a good relationship, a healthy relationship, yeah. right? And yeah. she's, she's relieved. One, she's going to have help with the boys, which I'm sure is good. I mean, she's in her 60s or at least late 50s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now she's got to take care of two boys because her daughter is uh, where God knows where, you know. And so now yep. she'll have help with that. Plus just the emotional support, too, I think would be, you know, nice for her to have him. Uh, plus yeah, he's a lawyer. Absolutely. As he mentioned. He's a very calming, a very calming person. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, Joe really owes Amanda after all the stuff that she a helped him through. Woman, uh, yes. it's it's uh, time to reciprocate. Not only you know be a father, help help your mother in law with your own damn kids, but also help your <laughs> ex wife who re- literally bent over backwards to help you. Exactly. Respectfully submitted, Lexi Vima. <laughs> <laughs> I get behind that statement very much. Thank you. And to his credit, he does. Yes, he does. He does. And he seems to be okay with it, which, you know, he's Joe. He's like super nice, like almost overly nice. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, don't you just want him to get mad once? (laughs) Just get mad. Just get mad. He's very easygoing as a character. Yeah. Dottie says to him, you're a lawyer. You'll know what to do. And she goes, I'll tell the boys you're here. And then she gives, I love how she gives Billy a look like, now you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right before she goes up the stairs like ha ha Joe comes in and says hi hi, I'm Joe King and his ex-husband and then he looks at him and he's like we've met before and so he's like yeah when you when you return from Africa which okay so he says 
I'm William Melrose, Amanda's supervisor. Yes, we met when you returned from Africa. In the script, it says, when you returned from South America. Billy Melrose, I'm Amanda's supervisor. So they got it a little switched around there. So then he explains, like, he got a frantic call from Dottie. And and you your people out front act like Amanda's public enemy number one. It's like, no, not number one. She's number three. <laughs> Right. And technically, Lee's probably number three, you. and she's number four. So, you know, <laughs> top five, sure. <laughs> so Billy then says, you know, this is off the record. I don't, you don't know me, and I don't know you. There's a flat. I've got 300 a- agents working overtime trying to find her and Stetson. It looks as if they're playing footsie with the Russians. And he's like, what? No. Amanda? <laughs> like, no, that's impossible. And he goes, I don't want to believe it myself. Which... Joe, you better not believe it because you were suspected of murder and she didn't right. think you did it. She was adamant and went all the way to the top and said, no, he didn't do it. So he better yep. be supportive of her. I would have been mad. For sure. I agree. True. You got to have her back. She's got yours more than had yours more than once for sure. Like Lexi said. But then Billy explains that the agency has issued a D1 manhunt and he goes, what's a D1? And he said, shoot to kill. We're leaving there and we're going to uh, the Vanderhoosen's house. <laughs> so <laughs> Lee and Amanda have this hideaway apartment here. Now, this is literally down the road from Amanda's house on the WB ranch. So this actually, I think this was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is also the apartment they used on Wonder Woman. I didn't know oh, that. Other th- I didn't know it, meaning I didn't see it, like recognize it. But somebody told me that. I think David did because he was he's a... Uh, Wonder Woman fan um, but they also use it there but this is literally uh, across the street from the fountain where we all sat remember um, and yeah. yeah so it's all down the street from Amanda so she didn't leave very far they didn't get very far so uh, we see Curlin his name is Curlin Mr. Curlin in the script uh, and he's bringing them in he's explaining that so somehow they got this um he goes, it's not the Ritz. And she goes, oh, it's nice. He goes, it's a roof over your head till the police give back your car and things. And then he opens up the blinds and they're like, Lee, you can tell is on high alert. He's like, oh, I don't want those open. And he explains where everything is. And they just want him the hell out of there. You know, they just want him. They just want him to go. You can tell they're just like antsy. Like, okay, thanks. We got it from here. Bye-bye. That's what the Travelers Friends Foundation is all about. Helping the victims of misfortune and malfeasance, Mrs. Vanderhoosen. She goes, who's in? She goes, Vanderhoosen. And the look Lee gives her like, really, woman? But it does lead to credibility that it's a real name and stuff. Absolutely, of fake name, you know. Uh-huh. So I, I get that. But it was the funny the look he gives, like really. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a remembrance of things past from the um, first season when they checked themselves into that nasty ass uh, hotel to the the transient hotel, and they go in and and. Uh, yes, Mrs. Smith, and he, she goes. Actually, it's Smythe with a Y. Oh yeah. And then she goes and an E. <laughs> <laughs> he's like really yeah. yeah i didn't even i didn't even put that together but it yeah. does give that same vibe that's yeah. great yeah and then so lee says cute place you come here often and she's like hey, at least it's something and he goes yeah it looks like a bad place to get surrounded in she goes is there is there such a thing as a good place <laughs> now in the script it is a little different guys um so there's a whole scene we miss and it's kind of interesting and a little scary i can see why they took it out it's kind of unnecessary but it's kind of fun 
So Curlin uh, hands Lee a key and two slips of paper. Here's your key, a chit for some clothes you can pick up at the recycler clothing barn. Do you guys know what a chit is? Like a girl. A chit. Chit. C-H-I-T. Yeah, like that, that young chit, like that's like C-H-I-T, a I've, young chit. I've never heard that. Okay, so here's... Wait, how's it used in a sentence? How Taya used it or how I used it? Taya. Oh, so Curlin says, here's your key, a chit for some clothes you can pick up at the Recycler Clothing Barn and a discount coupon for lunch or dinner at Chick on a Stick. Big smile. Try the Slick Chick special. Best deal in the place. Lee and Amanda smile appropriately. Blessedly, Curlin finally leaves. The moment he's gone, Lee and Amanda are in action. Lee's checking the back windows. Amanda's locking the door, checking the closets. As they do, Lee says, cute place. You stay here often. She says, it's a home. The agency's got all your haunts covered. Uh, This is a bad place to get surrounded in. She goes, I can't imagine a good place. Lee opens his coat, tosses a wallet fat with money on the bed, then pulls two guns from his belt. Amanda notices. And Lee says, we couldn't. We could need them, Amanda. It's that kind of game. Suddenly, when there's a loud, loud knocking on the door, Lee sneaks a look out the front window. It's a cop. Get out of here. Go. Amanda just shakes her head. More knocking. Lee, we've got to talk to him. Lee hesitates. He finally pulls a gun out of his belt, heads for the door. Lee says, there's only one of them. We can double team him if we have to. <laughs> Amanda nods. Hi. Lee conceals double his gun. <laughs> I hope he's cute, right? (laughs) Right. Amanda nods. Lee conceals his gun, opens the door. Thomas stands in the doorway, imposing in his beat cop's uniform. He takes in the entire apartment with a single look. Thomas says, Afternoon, Sergeant Thomas, Metro Police, ran into Ted Curlin out front. Understand you've got a problem. Lee and Amanda exchange a look. Amanda recovers first. Of course she does. Not really, Sergeant. Mr. Curlin was very helpful. All we really need is our car. Thomas nods, loosens up a bit. I'm sure the boys downtown are working on that. They'll find it. Meanwhile, there's a hundred things to do without getting dressed up or spending a penny. You got your Washington Monument, your Lincoln Memorial, the Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights, museums and galleries, parks, the Tidal Basin. Lee holds up the chick on a stick coupon. Chick on a stick. He goes, that too. Now you folks enjoy yourselves. Any problems, you just stick your head out the door and holler. I'm always around. Oh, shit. With another big smile, Sergeant Thomas leaves. The door closes. Lee crosses, checks the window, then chains the door. Amanda sinks to the sofa. She says, I feel like Ma Barker. He goes, bad example. She goes, you're right, but there aren't any good ones to choose from. (laughs) It was kind of cute. Yeah. By the way, Chet. The other definition, so the first is a pert young young woman. A pert. And then the other one, yeah, pert. And uh, the other is a short letter or note, especially a signed voucher of a small debt. Well, there you go. So, yeah. It's totally, I've never heard that distant. word in my entire life until I read uh, that. I read a lot of um, historical uh, uh, books. And uh, so anyway, that, that word came up quite a bit. Yeah. In the film version, then Lee hands Amanda the gun and says, it's that kind of game. And she says, I hate this. And and you could tell he feels really crappy that she's there and that she's been put in this position, which I'm sure she knows and he knows logically it's not his fault. But, you know, the guilt's running rampant on him. I'm sure that 
you know, she, he, he brought her into this world and now she's been put in this place where now her family's in danger. She's definitely in danger and she's on the run and probably feels just awful about it. And you can tell it just on his face. He feels crubby. She says, I really need to get a message to them. And uh, he, he goes over to her and, and crouches down next to her and he's like, hey. And then you can hear him. It, it kind of sounds like he says, honey, but it didn't pick it up on it. Uh, he goes, I know how you feel. And he goes, it'll be a big risk, but we'll think of something. Meaning they'll get word to his, her family somehow. So they kind of are giving each other a little bit of hope, which is nice. They obviously needed it this time. And then we have a nice little smooch, which is cute. Now we're in the park and uh, Alexi and his lovely granddaughter uh are sitting at the park bench uh and uh so sonia's got some tea and he's playing chess you know he's kind of getting philosophical he's like now the situation is a little different the prey becomes the predator the hunter becomes the hunted you know that kind of thing she goes what are you grandfather and uh she goes the hunter or the hunted and he goes both (laughs) he goes scarecrow is alienated and alone true except not alone but he's got time to think, to plan. He's a wounded wolf, desperate, but even more deadly. Yeah, that's that's true, man. She And then she tells him, forget about Scarecrow, please. You know, just go back, go home to Vladivostok and, you know, live out your life in comfort. Because what I've learned, I've been, uh, we watched the entire series of uh, the Americans, is that when you work for the KGB, if you do everything that they want you to do you get to go home and finally live out your life in retirement and and you're treated like a hero and you know you're taken care of kind of thing but if you've done brought shame to their country their motherland you know then you're gonna be treated very poorly so she's saying go home you've earned this you've you've earned your retirement you're gonna be treated well go home he should have taken her advice right there (laughs) In, in knowing what we know, spoiler alert, but he obviously doesn't. He goes, I will begin living again when Lee Stetson dies. I get the sense he doesn't like Lee. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, no love lost. No love that. lost, that's for sure. Mm-mm. So we see T.P. Aquinas walking across the street, heading towards a, a food truck, and it's Delano's Daily Delights. They love their alliteration in this show. <laughs> and uh he goes by and then he he like comes back and he's like oh nice uh nice setup you got here lee nice cover <laughs> or neat cover he goes how'd you manage it and he goes insurance money he goes how's your tail he goes the dogs are getting better but i lost the, them the second turnaround the washington monument he's filling him in he's like what do you hear he's like mucho you have you two have premiered the agency's most wanted chart at number three with a bullet and he, he goes, I'll ex- suspect you want, uh, you'll top the charts in, in the next couple of days. And, and he goes, well, at least we know where we stand. <laughs> and then he says, he's more worried about Alexi. And, and he says, he's, he's there in Washington. And uh, he goes, oh, and by the way, Sonia Chenko is Alexi's granddaughter. And Lee's kind of put like, kind of surprised by this. And he goes, who's she working for? Rostov or, or Alexi? He looks really good there, even with a little bruise on his face. Um, sure does. And he goes, our only hope is to find Alexi before the agency gets them. He goes, he probably feels the same about you. But how do two phantoms, this is a key thing. He he, he poses a question. Uh, how do two phantoms beat each other in 
meet each other in the shadows. You can't exactly advertise. And then it kind of clicks for Lee and he's like, maybe you can. So this in the film version, it ends right there. What actually in the script happens is Lee says, maybe you can. And then he says, look, I just got an idea how to find Alexi. I'll need two or three hours alone, but I could still use your help. And TP says, shoot. He goes, Amanda's worried sick about her family. She wants to tell them she's all right. And TP says, not easy. He goes, say no and we'll understand, which is really nice. He goes, what the hell? Dinner at the club isn't served until six. (laughs) So then he's going to help them with uh, getting a a note to her kids. Um, And so I'll come back in a second when we get there. Um, Now we skip to the film version where we're in Rostov's apartment now. And Rostov is... Um, just getting home, takes off his jacket. He, of course, is Russian and goes right to the, to the uh, scotch or whatever and pours himself a drink. And then you hear Lee behind him say, pour me one. And then he flips around. He's got the gun and he says, I'm American. I like ice. It's gotta be vodka though. He's Russian. Oh, it's not though. It's brown. It's definitely not Russian. It's not, it's not, it's not vodka. I'm so surprised. I know. You know, they don't all drink. I mean, that's probably a stereotype, but yeah. So. I mean, but even Lee says, I'm American. I want ice in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just it saying. It seems like they do drink, all drink, and they all drink vodka. It's such a stereotype. <laughs> it is such a stereotype. I have, I have it is. friends, though, that are Russian, and they do. Really? It's a stereotype. Well, in the, in the Stemwinder 1, uh, she ordered, uh, Sonia ordered a, a vodka extra cold right so but no yeah. his his wasn't so he was drinking something brown i assume scotch or bourbon or something of that nature and uh so then then we cut now to the park and the boys are playing um uh, half court basketball uh with some friends and we watch them we, we can clearly see it's them and then we see cute amanda she looks so cute in her little hat and her <laughs> she's got like little pants with little drawstrings so she kind of looks like a, a homeless person you know she kind of she's dressed like more like a homeless person she's got a big coat on and she's got pants yeah. on that have like a draw like a actual string around like a rope around them and things like that so and she's reading a paper on the bench and she's watching her boys going back and forth now in the script it is different and this is where tp comes in so we have exterior arlington playground day Jamie and Philip are playing half-court basketball with two friends. An old Volvo passes the playground, pausing discreetly for a moment. Inside, we can see T.P. Aquinas behind the wheel and Amanda wearing a scarf and sunglasses. Amanda's point of view. Watching the game, in a scuffle over the ball, Jamie trips and hits the the ground hard. Angle on the car, feature Amanda. She reacts, worried, wanting more than anything to go to his aid. T.P. touches her arm, shakes his head. Her heart breaking. Amanda nods. TP pulls away as Jamie's helped to his feet. So that's how that one goes. And then they obviously get the note to him. Instead, what we get is um, some other kids are going by and a ball comes at Amanda. She grabs it, holds onto the ball, and then gets the boy's attention and says, hey, can you, you know, Philip and Jamie? And he's like, no. And she goes, over there. And he goes, okay. And she goes, can you pass this note to him? So that's how she gets a note without having anybody find her there. It's kind of cute. But also she could have been called on that as a creeper. I mean. It's <laughs> yeah, but it's a woman. Not in the 80s, it, probably. One, no. she's a woman. Two, 
it's the 80s. Everything. I mean, yeah. God, it's we probably 80s, I think. we did so much <laughs> stuff that I, today I'd be like, oh, my God, how did my mom let me do that? You know, mm-hmm. walking home from school, you know, several miles away one time, you know, stuff like that, where somebody could have picked me up. I'd be gone forever, you know, like the, which did happen back then. You know, people, a lot of people, mm-hmm. women went missing and were killed and stuff. So it's like, God, you just. Thank God it's a different, it was a different time. I probably wouldn't have lived <laughs> as long as I everyone have. Is, everyone is suspicious of everyone else. It yeah. Seems like. it, with a good reason because of that. That's yeah. what happened. Well, and now everybody's watching still. those shows too. You know, like the, yeah, the right. mysteries. The, <laughs> what happened? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, that's not going to. Yeah. It's not going to be me. And not have to me or something. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Today the kid would probably say, heck no lady, get yeah. lost. Yeah. <laughs> Text him, man. What's your problem? I'm calling nine one one. Yeah. No, he'd be, he'd be, yeah, he'd be, he'd be recording it on his cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. And they take a picture of her. Yeah. I'm gonna put this on YouTube. That's what they say. Yeah. That's too funny. Uh, so she does get the note to them, and and then be. It's kind of cool how. They have it, they see the woman walk by and by the time she gets to Amanda, she's already gone. You know, she's just like quick and out of there. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Now we're back to Rostov and they're in his dining room and he's having a drink. Definitely not vodka. The KGB Central Committee is toasting Sonyachenko as a, as a hero. And he goes, you believe that? You believe I gave her full access to Stemwinder and, and killed Philip Dart in the process. He goes, she is a beautiful woman. He goes, she's also Alexi's granddaughter. And he's like, oh, snap. <laughs> he goes, but Stemwinder was a nice little feather in your cap too, wasn't it? Enough, nice enough that you wouldn't ask too many questions and not worry about being set up at that meet at Emilio's. He goes, I had to go. Order came by Telex directly from Moscow, signed by Andreev Krimsky. He goes, the chief of KGB of operations. And he goes, Alexi's right hand for 10 years. And you're when they ran the European division. And he's like, Oh, crap. Like, he just is realizing like, Oh, I just got played big time, you know. And, uh, and Lee's telling him, I'm going to need some help in trapping him. And then he tosses over the newspaper to him. Now we're at Billy's office. And he's yelling at somebody on the phone, obviously to the newspaper. And he says, I want to know when this ad was bought, how it was paid for, whether it was done on the phone or in person. And I want that information yesterday. And I love it. Francine being the ever awesome assistant that she is, she comes running in before Smith can get in there. And she's like, Billy, the old man. And then he comes in and she's like, like, oopsies. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) And, uh, Smith is coming in all fuming and, and reads the paper. He grabs a paper from Billy's desk and says, import export agent seeks permanent employment opportunities abroad. Must relocate immediately. 10 years international experience with major U.S. company. And Billy says, there could be any number of explanations. And, and Smith says, one, Scarecrow's put himself on the auction block. Every spy in town has read this by now. We're coffee and croissant gossip, Melrose, and I don't like it. He goes, Scarecrow did mention Alexei Makarov, and he was just let out five weeks ago. And he goes, conclusion? He goes, Son Yushchenkov, Lee's peacock partner, is Makarov's granddaughter. And then he says, conclusion? 
And he goes, well, Francine says, none yet, but we do have a cop. And then he looks at her like, did I ask you, bitch? <laughs> he totally does. He looks at her like, really? Like, you mm-hmm. shut your pie hole. I'm going to, I'm talking, the boys are talking here, doesn't it? It does. I totally feel yeah. that. He's really terrible this episode. Yeah. And she just seems like totally like chastised. And she's just like, okay. She's already called him the old man. And now she's done right. this. She's, she's like respectfully submitted. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, then let me butter your bread and cut your meat, children. <laughs> Scarecrow's hung us out to dry. And that's the last mistake he's ever going to make. Oh, man. Kick out the jams, Melrose. I want Scarecrow dead or alive. He always describes things so I know he does that sing-songy, you know. So then we are back to the apartment and uh, Lee's explaining to uh, Amanda that Billy has reached out to him through their old setup that they had uh, on Rita Avenue in Arlington. And he says, Billy, and I said that drop up 10 years ago when he was still working in the field. And she goes, what is the final appeal? He goes, it's the last white flag before the real shooting begins. Never thought I'd be reading a final appeal from Billy. Damn it. I've been out in those streets for 10 years trying to make a difference because I thought I could. I believed I should. You just can't drop that, you know? He goes, I'm going to meet him. She goes, you sure you can trust him? He goes, no, but I want to trust him one more time. And she goes, and he says, I owe him that. She goes, well, I'm going with you. And he's like, no, you are not. She said, I said, I'd watch your tail and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Aw, that's so cute. He's a cute <laughs> Yeah. It goes right to Dottie and Joe in the kitchen. There's an actual scene uh, that starts off act two. Um, that's a, a little different. And uh, it's exterior sidewalk cafe day. Rostov is sitting with a pot of tea, morning sweets, and a crossword puzzle. Over his shoulder, we hear Billy off camera say six across, perplexing manner, try enigma, E-N-I-G-M-A. Rostov does, it fits. Billy sits. Well done. That's been perplexing me for an hour. Billy says, I've got an enigma of my own. Maybe you can help me. I've been staring at 10 pounds of paper and pictures that tell me my best agent has sold out to your side. Why can't I believe it? Rostov says, it threatens you. He's your friend. Smith is blaming you. Why ask me? Billy says, I suppose you have your own problems. How's Sonyuchenko? He says, as a matter of fact, she's disappeared. But agents disappear. I'm certain she'll have a suitable explanation. Billy says, let me tell you what I think's going on. Scarecrow's a wanted man. It could be a frame. If it is, I'm guessing Alexei Makarov's pounded the nails with Sonia's help. Lee's ad in the personals today was designed to bring him to the surface. And Rostov says, perhaps the ad's valid. And Billy says, I'll believe that when I hear it from Scarecrow. I want to meet with him, but he's buried so deep I can't raise him. With the agency and Alexei on his tail, I'm guessing Scarecrow might have rung your bell. Rostov says, you, can g- you give me too much credit. Billy says, and I love this. Billy says intensely, all I'm giving you is a warning. If Scarecrow leaves the country before I've talked to him face to face, make sure you have a seat on the same flight because you'll be out of business here. I'll slam every door in D.C. in your face so hard you won't be able to sell pickles on Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> wow. I know. Words from Billy I know. So with that, Billy gets up. Continuing. Tell Scarecrow I'm working Marcella's rules. Sweet read is the drop. So this scene, I think, happened before the one I just talked about, uh, where 
he's ex- Lee and Amanda are talking and she's saying, I'm going to go with you kind of thing. So somehow I'm not sure what Marseille rules are, but I think it's that you go alone and sweet Rita, Rita is obviously that drop it in Arlington on Rita Avenue. So I, I do like that little uh, thing between Rostov and Billy though. It's kind of like mm-hmm. two yeah, big. That would have been a cool scene yeah. to see because it, I don't know. Like, I know when Lee and Billy do meet, like, obviously it gets blown to heck, but it would have been, like, you're still watching it, you're left without, like, did did Billy intend for this to happen? Like, it seemed genuine, but I feel like that would have led even more credence. Yes. That, like, Billy wanted to meet with Lee above everything. Right. I think that would have been a worthwhile scene to include. Yeah, and there's some more, but... too, that, that goes on, too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep, yep. Um, and then, so in the film version, then, we're back to, uh, like I said, uh, Dottie and Joe in the kitchen. He's pouring her uh, some coffee. This is clearly in the morning because Dottie comes in and says, boy, those boys, all, you know, made their bus by about two seconds. And he, she says uh, that note she sent the boys uh, was the best thing for him. You know, they're in such better spirits now. And uh, she's like, you know, I wish there was a way that we could let her know that the boys are OK and that we love her and we miss her. I mean, you know, knowing Amanda, she's liable to walk in here. She doesn't know that the house is being watched. They're tapping our phone, opening our mail. She goes, listen to me. I am being beginning to sound so paranoid. She says, Amanda's out there with a strange man. No, he's not strange. Believe me. <laughs> he's not strange. He's not. But she's like, we need to get some note to her to let her know we're all okay. And and then Joe comes up with an idea and he grabs the newspaper and says, yes, I think there is a way. So then they're going to then put an ad in the paper. Yeah, so in the script, the the white flag thing goes, you know, where he's explaining to Amanda about the sweet Rita. That comes after the Rostov and Billy meeting. And so it, it is a little bit different in the script. Lee gets up, paces the rooms. Uh, he says he's he's been out there for 15 years, not 10, 15, trying to make a difference because I thought I could and believed I should. But living in the shadows sort of eats away at you. Nothing's for sure except the people you're risking your life for. It's hard to lose that. Amanda says, you've got me more than ever before, and I'm pretty dependable in a pinch. Lee looks at Amanda and smiles. He goes, I'm going to meet Billy. She says, you sure it's safe? He says, no, but I want to trust him this him once more. I owe him that. And then she says, I'm coming with you. And then he says, Amanda, she goes, a hundred years ago in my bedroom at home, I promised you I was going to watch your tail and that's what I'm going to do. So then we're in the, in the film version, Rostov gets a knock at his door and it's uh, none other than Alexei Makarov. And uh, he's a one, he is like laser focused on Lee. He's like, Alexei, what are you doing here? Everyone's asking what's become of you. We were so worried. He goes, what about Scarecrow? He goes, would you like something to eat? Not hungry. What about Scarecrow? (laughs) He goes, Scarecrow? That's what brings you so far away from home? Yes. He goes, is Moscow taking the offer seriously? He goes, what offer? (laughs) He goes, offer. And like (laughs) slams the paper in front of him. And then he reads it and he says, and Rostov's like, well, Scarecrow is a prize catch. If the offer is valid, Moscow will give him whatever he wants if he defects. You know how that works. And Lexi goes, oh, yes. He goes, a Western trader can live like life like a, a czar. Women, money, the finest. He speaks Russian. I don't know what he said. <laughs> While royal Russians serve as the rat bait in Siberian dung pits. Wow. He goes, please sit down. He plops down. He is not happy. He throws a pillow. 
<laughs> and then Rostov <laughs> picks it up and like pats it clean, like he likes wet wipes it all clean up. He's like, I never believed that you were guilty, not for a moment. He just seems so sniveling, doesn't he, Rostov? Yep. Yeah. He goes, it was all so unfortunate. Rostov is like the the quintessential like diplomat. Like, yes. He's so playing like, both sides. And and Alexei is just like that battle hardened just spy, right? Laser like, focused just, on that one thing. Yeah. yeah. For yeah, sure. and he's done his time. He's done his waiting. Like, yeah, he wants his vengeance. He is now. done. He's had all that time in the gulag <laughs> yes. to to deal with, figure out what yeah. he's going to do. Uh, so Alexi says, if Moscow proceeds, you will coordinate the negotiations. He's like, yes, I suppose so. And he goes, give him to me. He goes, Alexi, please stop this vendetta. It's over and done. He goes, you're a free man now. Enjoy your life. In Siberia, I met a na- man named Bashtar. He told me a fascinating story about a black market ring in Budapest. I've been there. Run, he insisted, by KGB operative named Rostov. <laughs> That's how he says it, too. I watched this a few too many times. He goes, black market offenses are still capital crimes. And that was something, it's interesting, because that was something in the American show, too, that that uh, you know, the black market stuff was like taboo. You were not allowed to do that shit. Um, so he's pretty much blackmailing Rostov saying, you need to give me Scarecrow or else I'm going to narc on you. <laughs> and Rostov's little sniveling little pansy that he is, is going to have to do it. You know? Yeah. Mm. Rostov is like middle management. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I would not want to be in middle management. No, like, no, not like that. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So now we're back at the agency and, and Smith is just coming out of the clothes, clothing closet uh, elevator. <laughs> and Billy's like, oh, geez, like, this is not my day kind of thing. <laughs> and he says, Billy Melrose, just a man I wanted to see. What word? He goes, nothing yet. I'm surprised, Billy. Man with your experience and all of the resources of Washington at your fingertips. He goes, meaning... He's like, meaning I strongly advise you against pulling your punches. You wouldn't want to get blindsided. He goes, I know what I'm doing. As long as I'm running the, this D1, it'll, I'll be calling the shots. He goes, of course you will, Billy. Which, mm, you know, that's the op- complete opposite of what he meant. So this is the warehouse, Jen, that I, th- that I picture every time I think of that story that, mm-hmm. that Dennis told. This is the well, one. it's very dark. It's very dark. There's no lights. It's summer when they're filming this because it's it's in September. So it's hot as blazing in California. So it totally makes sense that it's this one to me. Yeah. It it could totally not be, but I bet you it's this one. That's how I picture it. This one in in every time. Who's a fucking moron? Electricity in most places is. There's no light, so they probably said it may do. It makes it a little yeah. creepier, which is good. But oh, it totally does. And um, yeah, they need it dark for for the scene that's going to come up. Yeah, but this is what I this is the one I picture yeah. every time. I'm sure it could be it could be ten other ones, but this is the one I picture, just because of the timing. Yeah, and everything. it's a good one. Mm-hmm. He didn't remember. I know. I would remember that. I know, (laughs) right? But I guess if you've done, I mean, because he came in like second season, I think, Uh, not as executive, but he came in and he was working on it. So he probably has probably, you know, 60 or so episodes. So they probably blended together. But I would totally remember getting called out by Kate Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. 
I would at least remember the location. Yeah. I would, I would, I would know what speck of dust fell at what time if T. Jackson yelled at me like that. Oh man. Although she might have yelled at him all the time, so who knows? You know. Well, there were a lot of warehouses used in different episodes, so. But yes, I would remember for sure. Yeah. Maybe he didn't want to stay. I don't know. I mean, he is older for sure. He's older. It's been. 35 years I mean I get it <laughs> but he's not the freak that we all are that we would remember every single thing you know like, yeah. like that too uh anyways uh so now we're inside the warehouse and it's it it is very dark as Je- Jen mentioned and Billy is kind of walking through and it's just them you see a man kind of peek out from some boxes up top and then Billy kind of looks and then she hides and uh, and then uh, Billy, you can't even see him. Uh, Billy comes in and, and then you hear Lee's voice say, take a couple more steps and then stop. And then he's like, I'm glad you came, Lee. Anyone else had asked, I wouldn't be here. What do you have? He goes, too much. The frequencies the Russians jammed stem, Stemwinder with, they were stolen from Dart, Dart's safe. Your prints are all over the place. He goes, Lexi probably lifted it off something I touched in Sonia's apartment. Then then print him on latex gloves. It's an old trick, Billy. He goes, think of it from our end. He goes, been tried and convicted by Smith. Where do you stand, Billy? And, and Billy says, I'm running the D1. If you're telling the truth, I'll go all the way with you. Scarecrow, if you're lying, I'll shoot you myself. <laughs> Said by a true agent, you know. So yeah. then you hear Amanda yell up top and she says, cars front and back. And then she comes back and says, it's Dr. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, I don't know anything about this. I swear to you, I don't. And then he's standing there with his hands out like, and then Lee's got his gun pointed at him. And he like, like he's mad because he got, he's getting caught. But then he's like, he, it's his friend and he can't, it's not like he's going to shoot him. I mean, hello. Then he's really going to be running and he wouldn't do that anyways. So then (laughs) he takes off and then Billy's kind of, kind of wandering around. And then Amanda just goes badass all of a sudden she's tossing those smoke bombs all over the place they've got this thing they they're well prepared it's kind of cool this also makes for a great video footage too when i did my videos i always use stuff from this it was kind of it's very spy like so he's kind of maneuvering through the smoke bombs and then she's got a pulley system already going and he grabs onto it and then she pulls him up which that's brilliant too they definitely needed power for that, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> and then you hear all the agents scrambling. And then Amanda, Lee, I like Lee holds on and he, he holds out his hand for it. And then you see them cut across and then you see an agent and he's like up top and then shoots wildly all over the place. So then they sneak out the back through like this little bridge between the two buildings and jump down. So then we see Smith come up smoking, of course. Because there's not enough smoke in the room. And he walks up to Billy and says, Say la guerre, Billy. What does say la guerre mean? It's like basically like that's war. Like like you know how people say like uh uh la vie. It's that's like, life. Yeah. Like, like it's basically like, you know, this like this war is, this, this is, war. Yes, like, it is war. what it is. Like yeah. guerre is literally like war. all's fair um, in love and war kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, okay. yeah, kind of a sentiment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well then Lee helps Amanda get down. And then we see him come around the crates and they're watching. Now in the script, it's a little different. Jen, you mentioned um, how that one scene in the script kind of makes it seem like Ross between Rossoff and Billy, that Billy is more behind them. This actually also does, but they cut this out. 
So this is the exterior what? exterior factory ground level. As Amanda and Lee come racing across a low rooftop, jump to a stack of pallets, then to the ground. Just as they turn to sprint for freedom, Billy emerges from the from the building. Lee spots him, but it's not clear if Billy sees him because he turns around in the in time to intercept an agent who's running out. Billy stops the guy, exchanges a few words with him. So it seems like Billy's like talking to the, distracting this guy so that Lee and Amanda can get away. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know me, I don't, even the last episode, I didn't think Billy really believed it, but. Yeah. He doesn't want to believe it, but it's like, it's there for him. So he's got to be proven correct, mm-hmm. you know? He has to do his job. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think he thinks they did it. Yeah. But if all the evidence is lining up that way, he has to pursue it, obviously. Or Right. Well, and then it, and then a couple little ex- exchanges here. And then it says, sending the agent back inside, Billy turns back toward where Lee and Amanda just disappeared, looking like, like he knew, like he was setting, he was distracting the guy. So it, even in the script that that's what they were intending to be was that, they were going to make it look like Billy was trying to help Lee and Amanda out. But then they cut that out completely. Mm. And they just show Billy thinking he sees them and hears them and then goes back to his car. He kind of looks over there like, I think I see him, but then he doesn't do anything. So it's kind it's it's a little more vague and not as specific. You know what I mean? Not so obvious. I always thought this scene was kind of fun. You have uh, Lee dressed up uh, like a, a, a baseball player. And he's kind of like hunched over and everything. And then he d- ducks behind a, a trash bin. And then out he comes dressed as somebody different. And then you see a second later, you see a bum like walking out with some new threads and everything. Like, what the <laughs> heck? You know, I don't mind this. And then Amanda's so, yeah. walking down the street with like a big poncho on, holding a plant and a big purse and, and all that stuff. And uh, <laughs> she comes out looking completely different as well. So it's just interesting how they, they shook. They obviously split up, which was surprising to me. You know, they split up. And uh, now Amanda's got sunglasses on, which I think this is the only time she wears sunglasses in this whole series. <laughs> I think so too. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Nope, I take that back. Uh, she also does a Nightcrawler with those big white oh. ones. Remember? Oh, So yeah. this is the first time, but not the last, but one of two times. Uh, so then Lee's now in his food truck and he's driving and he's picking, he, he picks up Amanda along the way. I don't like the sunglasses, by the way. <laughs> you don't like her, the current one she's wearing? No. <laughs> they're too big for, I do love aviators. They're, those are starting to yeah, great. I think they're like... To, and by the way, do they like flip up or something? No. I just, I just think they're trying to, I don't know. It's a style that doesn't like fit with Amanda. Yeah. I'll just I, say I love a good aviator. That's what I wear as aviators, <laughs> but um, they're too big for her face. That's all. I think. Yeah. I just think that shape, yeah, it's just. <laughs> yeah. I think Kate usually wears like black, like black uh, sunglasses. You know what I mean? The, like the more yeah. plastic, you know, more. Uh, traditional ones so they get in and then we see them from the back of the the food truck and uh they say it's kenilworth gardens so am i we lost them we deserve to be nailed i'm a jerk to think that we could have walked right back in and i never figured billy for a double cross i don't think he is i think he was just as surprised as we were yeah maybe amanda someone has changed the rules and we don't have a copy of the new rule book a final appeal has always been a truce. It was an agent's right. 
Rostov is the only one we can count on now because he needs us as much as we need him. We have each other. That's something. Yeah. It's more than most people in this business will ever have. I didn't think we'd have to go through anything like this to find out that we've got it. Look at this. Confirmed R. That's it. Rostov set my defection for tomorrow morning. Now, if we can just dodge him until then. Wait a minute. This is from Joe. What? Panda, Debbie Ann can't come home, but we got the message. And we miss her, JJ. Wait a minute. Now, your mother called you Panda when you were a little girl. Who, who's Debbie Ann and JJ? Well, JJ's Joe. That's like Jolton Joe. Jolton Joe DiMaggio, yeah, you know? Right. And, and Debbie Ann is Debbie Ann McCabe. She was my best friend when we were 11, and she ran away from home, and I hid her in the attic, only she wanted to go home, and she was scared of her daddy, so I stuck a note to her mom. Well, at least the home front's with us. Yeah. You feel better? Yeah. Boy. It's the worst trouble I ever got in when I hid Debbie Ann McCabe in my attic. No, it isn't. This is damn right. Now, in the script, it doesn't say damn right. She, 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 that's a Kate thing, I think, for sure. So here's, this was, I thought this was kind of funny. Uh, In the script, Lee says, your mother calls you Panda, like as if she still calls her that. Uh, But who's Debbie Ann and JJ? And then she explains that. And then Lee says, the classified section is getting to be nothing more than a spy's bulletin board. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was back funny. when the classifieds were read and used and all that yeah, stuff yeah for sure i think people just used to like read it with the morning paper like i'm just gonna oh, read yeah. classifieds well people don't even read papers anymore jen i mean uh-huh. they read the, the I know. they just read it online i gotta say i kind of miss them a little bit yeah I, I'm old-fashioned it, though yeah it's a little old-fashioned yeah yeah i definitely read the classifieds for sure when i was like little i just liked looking at what people were we're selling. Yeah. Or the, I love the missing, like the, where they missed each other. Like, oh, you were sitting across. Yeah, the misconnections. I know so. Yes. That's why we, we did our ad. We did our ad. Yes. I, I came up with that for the, for Mrs. King's mm-hmm. Chronicles ad. Yeah, for the, the ad. For the mm-hmm. reunion. I love that. I hope everybody got that, that it was like misconnections from like the newspaper. That was fun. <laughs> there was a, definitely a missing scene, which I'm glad they took it out. It seems a little far-fetched to me. It's France, between Francine and Billy. And Francine says, it's from Joe King. He calls her Panda numerous times in his old love letters. She signed his yearbook to Jolton Joe. We trace Debbie Ann McCabe, now hacker, Amanda's neighbor until 65. These days, she runs a charm school in Richmond. And Billy tosses the paper and sits. Don't you love digging in your friend's trash cans? And Francine says, no, but if it helps... She says, putting cute little messages in the paper means they're not really in touch, right? And Billy nods, gazing into the bullpen through the blinds. From here, that could be a bullpen full of CPAs, and ad agency, except this bunch of perfectly normal folks comes to the work to spy on people, kill them, topple their governments. And then Francine says, Billy, don't go all moody on me. It's just a setback. Give yourself your own best advice. You give it to me often enough. And then he says, stick to what you know, not what you think you know. He goes, fine, what do we know? And then we go on from there. I just thought it was, it's yeah. like a little too, like they would pick up on that. I don't. I, exactly. That, that has so many little. Like, and it's unnecessary. Like how is Francine going to get a, a copy of a yearbook to see what Amanda wrote? And read his love letters from mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, that was 10, mm-hmm. you know, that was at least yeah. 
five years ago that they even would have written. And I doubt they were love letters, but even then, you know, it would be right. in the earlier times. You know, it just mm-hmm. seems silly. That was, that was a good it. one to cut. Yeah, for sure. That's good advice from Billy, though. I, I actually thought about using that in my life and my job. <laughs> Think, oh, go with what you know. Not just reiterating, you yeah. Because yeah. everyone gets so caught up in like, oh, what about this? What about that? I think this. I feel remiss. We've been so focused on the the plot in this and the excitement of all of it that we didn't talk about Francine's outfit here. Uh, the purple. It's in the purple. I like the purple. Yeah. Okay. You like the purple, both of you? Mm-hmm. I think she looks pretty. I do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely it's a really pretty like eighties dress. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the color, I love. I yeah, love that sure. color. And the belt's yes. pretty. It, it's a purple belt too. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. The the script and that whole um, scene. I just the script part that I read about him saying, you know, getting all moody and stuff. That that happens. So. But then she goes over what they do know, which she went back to the person, her snitch that um, gave them the tip about the grocery, leaving in the grocery store. And they had somebody do a, a sketch art. They had a sketch artist draw up the person that the person saw. And she says a little older and a lot grayer. And she shows him a picture of a man and it looks just like Alexi Makarov. And he goes, Right here in D.C. He goes, chalk one up for Lee. And then then we see uh, Billy down in the agency. And then Smith is there again. About your blue sensibilities. When you've got an infection, you don't treacle, put treacle on it. You burn it out. I acted accordingly. In the field, my agents risked their lives. Stetson trusted me. I can't betray that. Stetson no longer has agent status. Mrs. King never did. It's not a matter of status. He goes, no, Melrose, it's a matter of time. Either we grab Scarecrow before he talks, takes a walk on us, or you will and I will be dusting off our resumes. I find job hunting so déclassé, don't you? And then Francine gives him a look and he goes, okay, Francine, I won't blow my top just yet. <laughs> we can do more for Lee and Amanda on the case uh, than we can off, which is good advice. Mm-hmm. Keep your enemies close. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now we're back at the King house and... Uh, Jamie's doing his homework and Philip's playing basketball in the house and uh, he throws the ball at Jamie and he's like, oh, good shot, moonhead. (laughs) (laughs) Mom said no playing basketball in the house. He goes, thanks for reminding me. He goes, you're welcome. They're like snipping at each other. And then Joe comes up and takes the ball. He goes, hey, just because your mom's not here doesn't mean you can break the rules. He's, I'm going to give her a full report when she gets back. He goes, I was just putting it away, Dad. He goes, what, so you could actually do some homework for a change? He goes, why don't you? <laughs> and shoves him. Come on, guys, come on. So now no fighting. And he says, we've got to stick together. He goes, look, I'm not supposed to say anything, so you can't ask me how I know, but your mom's okay. He goes, you talked to her? He goes, I said no questions. He goes, now you're just going to have to trust me on this. We trust you. It's just, I don't know about Philip, but I'm a little scared. He looks so cute. He goes, not much, just a little. He goes, well, you're doing a lot better than I am because I'm a whole lot scared. It's I like that he says that and is yeah. honest about that with the kids. Yeah. yeah, he's like, we can be scared together. Now, the script is a little bit, just slightly different between the boys here. It says, I was just putting it away, Dad. He goes, what, so you could actually do some homework for a change? And then Joe says to Jamie, he goes, you can't afford to get your brother on your brother's case, not with a big Dilbert in history. I guess that means with a D in history. He goes, oh, uh, didn't I explain <laughs> the school's computer prints D's when it should print A's? 
Thanks. What an excuse. He goes, well, they should print a Very pluses. convenient. He goes, it's a bug in the program. They're working on it. He goes, oh, sure, Mongo. Then Philip goes, oh, sure, Mongo. And if he believes that, then he'll believe you're not the tooth fairy. <laughs> so, but Jamie's always been like a straight A student. So that seems weird that they would have that. So I don't know. Um, hmm. jump, Jamie jumps up at the insult, but Joe motions him back down. He wraps a big arm around each of them. Guys, no fighting. Let's help each other. I'm not supposed to say anything. And then it goes on from there. And then, oh, and then it keeps going though. So what we saw, but then he says, um, then you're doing a lot better than I am. I'm a whole lot scared. And Philip says, you can, you have to be scared before you can be brave, dad. That's what mom always says. Aww. And it's, and Jamie says, it's, and it's always better to be scared with somebody else than to be scared by yourself. And that's cute. Very, very true. Both are poignant. That would have been a perfect spot to include it too. And he says, okay, guys, we'll be scared together. And he hugs them. And then Joe says, it stopped raining. How about 20 minutes of two on one, then homework till dinner. Would your mom go for that deal? And then Jamie says, absolutely. And then they go, hmm. go off. I think that's, I think I would like I kind of like that better. Mm-hmm. I like that. Back to Lee and Amanda's hideout, uh, the Van Husen's hideout. And uh, they're testing their equipment. You know, Amanda's like, can you hear me? And he says, yeah, loud and clear. He goes, save it. And then he goes, what's the range? And she goes up to half a mile. He goes, that's optimum. We won't need more than 200 yards. He goes, well, here we are. Nice, quiet dinner in our cozy hideout, cleaning our guns, and another typical evening with the spy family. She goes, I don't know how you can be in such a good mood. He goes, well, I'm not. Just the way I handle my nerves before a big operation. Believe me, tomorrow's as big as they come. She goes, if Alexei shows. He goes, what? Rostov sighted him near the Soviet embassy today. He's watching. He'll be there. So then Amanda's got her gun, and she says, I hope I don't have to use this. I'm not very good at 50 feet. At 75, forget it. He goes, well, if you need it, it'll be close, a lot closer. And she gives him a look and he goes, I hope you don't either. All right. Now, the script is slightly different in here with this little scene, which it's kind of a little more personal, which I, I like this part better, I, I think. She says, how can you be in such a good mood? Whistling, humming. He goes, I'm not. It's the way I handle my nerves before the big operation. Tomorrow's as big as they come. Lee works a, the slide on his gun for emphasis. And she says, if Alexei shows, he goes, Rostov caught sight of him today by the Soviet embassy. He's watching. He'll be there. Amanda studies Lee, who is obviously pumped up with the idea of action. He works industriously on the guns. Amanda says, do you know the road not taken? He goes, Robert Frost. Sure. Not all of it, but two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both and so on. And she says, do you remember when you chose this way to go? He goes, you mean, when did I just, I decided I didn't want two and a half kids and a mortgage. And she says, no, that's a negative. You don't think like that. You pick this. He goes, yeah, I did. I was 21 drinking the, the summer away, chasing girls in Geneva, putting off life. I met a guy covering the Warsaw Pact. He didn't say so, but he was agency, Paul Barnes. He met my dad back in, in his MID days, we got roaring drunk one night in an old Rathskeller on the Rue de Valor, grinning beat. So I decided if I was going to put off my life, I might as well get paid for it and have some fun. And Amanda says, this is fun. He goes, this is now. This is when it's not fun anymore. And I can stop putting off my life. Thanks to you. Aww. They don't have to say more. They kiss after a beat. 
when they stare into each other's eyes, Lee goes on. I wish we could start now, but it's gone too far. We've got to clear up this mess and put a stop to Alexi, or it'll never be over. Hands her gun. You'll need it tomorrow. Amanda takes the gun professionally, but with an inbred distaste. She checks it, puts in a clip, slams it home. And then she says, I'm no good with this past 50 feet, 75, if I'm lucky. If you need it it at all, you'll be closer. I hope you don't. And then Amanda uh, says, Lee, this operation is straight out of the agency tactics manual. More than three lines of fire, unprotected perimeters. He goes, no, no backup. We've been through this. She says, Lee, we have to trust Mr. Melrose. It's too risky, too many variables. We have to. You agreed. Maybe they tricked him too. Maybe he gave in to Dr. Smith and had a change of heart. Wouldn't you rather believe that? And then we cut to the... Um, Sonia we're just outside the Russian embassy and it's raining and they're in a like a bus stop and uh, Sonia's got some cold medicine for her grandfather because he's clearly sick he's been running himself ragged because all he's doing is thinking of you know catching scarecrow and she's begging him much like Rostov did you know go home stop this vendetta it's not getting you anywhere you're you're sick you need you know you need to stop and he says that Rostov's been in the uh embassy for three hours she goes you're sick and freezing i can get visas and tickets for you you can go south montevideo is safe he goes no i have to get stetson you have to help me she says it's not working it's it is working rostov is going to give him to me i'm going to kill him she goes when she goes i mean you can't ask me to keep running with you an outlaw against my own government and this is i'm 22 no she's not she's like 27 (laughs) i have my whole life to live didn't say anything about him. Was it like um, a serious illness? Like, was he going to die and he wanted to take Leah? Yeah. Do you think it was just a cold? No, it's just this cold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's not he, like he's it got seems, cancer or something. Yeah. Yeah. It seems odd to sort of bring that up, but I guess there's another plot issue with the cops. Yeah, but... because they want, remember later on, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. I just didn't know if like in the script there was more detail about that, no, about his illness. No, it's just a cold. It's just a common cold. Okay. He's been out in the rain. Cold. He's out in the rain. He's, you know, he's, he's just uh, probably not been taking care of himself because, you know, he's, he's so focused on this vendetta. Then they see Rostov is leaving. And so he's about to go after him. And she goes, go on. I'll track him. Yeah, I bet you she tracks him. She knows exactly where he's going to be. So he leaves and then she waits for him. And then his limo pulls up and she gets in. So she, she's obviously in bed with both of them. Not in a, that way. Because that's gross, her grandfather. But you know what I mean? She's working both sides for sure. And she explains to him, I can't change his mind. He goes, I thought not. He goes, no matter. It's set for tomorrow morning. I've made the arrangements. She goes, Stetson's not stupid. He could be springing a trap on us. No. He could if if he could. He would if he could. But because of the stupidity of the agency and Dr. Smith, he can't. He goes, here are the arrangements. Scarecrow wants Alexi and we want him. And it will all work out, Sonia. Just be pretty and let me worry for both of us. Oh, she gives him the look Just like, screw you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the look she gives, too. And then uh, now we're back at the agency. It's late in the evening. Billy's fallen asleep on his, on his, on his couch with files all over the place. And uh, the phone rings. And he says, Melrose. And then you hear Lee's voice saying, mind your manners, Billy. He goes, Lee, they set me up. He goes, you'll get your chance to prove it, but mind your manners and grab a pencil. Five number groups, eight, three, one, one, zero, six, four, eight, two, two. 
And then it goes on from there. And then you see Smith puffing on his damn cigarette. Now it's in the morning. So obviously Billy's had his phone tapped, which is BS, you know. I know Lee and Amanda has learned a lot during this process, but I hope Francine and Billy have also learned a lot in this and who they can trust and who they who who's got their back and who doesn't, you know? I think by the very fact that Billy is continuing to help Lee realizes like that's where his loyalties lie. Like he's he's realized that Smith just wants someone to nail against the wall. Um, he doesn't care if it's true or not. Like, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't really care who he just um, he, does, he know, wants he to just, save face. Yes. You know? So exactly. he's not embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't care if the you know his best agent the agency's best agent is compromised. Right. Um because he just wants he wants a name and uh and Billy's like this is not right and there's proof now with um Alexi being um in town. So yeah, I I, I think they do, but that's me being I don't know, hopeful and attached to the yeah. to the core cast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But true, yeah. Now we're in Billy's office and he's got a big old gun, man. His is like really big and shiny. I don't know what kind mm-hmm. it is. I don't have my, uh, my expert here. Um, but here, Francine, she says at least three lines of sight, unprotected parameters. That's the same thing that Amanda, so they reused it, but Francine saying it instead of Amanda, cause Amanda was spouting that to Lee in the script about how it's not a, a great location for it to be, uh, where they're meeting him, that they're exposed. And she's got the, the the blueprint right there of the stadium that they're going to meet. And he goes, then don't. We won't use backup. And then Billy comes in and, and Francine takes the, the, the print and kind of puts it down so he can't see it. Like she didn't see it. Like he wouldn't be able to see that, you know. Smith comes in. He goes, here, your boy's coming ba- by again amidst the ducks. This time we get the Cupid doll, okay? He goes, just exactly how did you hear? So far, I've only told Desmond. Is it your affair to tap my phone? He goes, mind your manners, the old recognition sequence, 35 number groups. I got crypto boys out of their warm beds, but so far, zip city, some kind of private code. He goes, is that a casual question or do you want something specific? If you don't break this code for me, presto. He goes, Francine, wait for me in the motor pool. And she's like, oh, it's going down. (laughs) Trouble now. (laughs) Trouble with a capital T. And then, and then it gets even better. Billy closes his blinds like he's going to kick some ass and doesn't want anybody seeing yeah. it. And I love, he's got the shoulder holster too, man. He's got that whole thing going on. Still not as sexy as Lee, go figure, but. Who can compete? Who can? <laughs> uh, and then Smith's got that blasted cigarette stick coming out of his mouth. It's so, ugh. Talk about déclassé. <laughs> And he's waiting for Billy to answer him. And he's like, you've been in my face since the start. You scrap the rules when it suits your personal purpose. You turn Lee's friends against him. You spy on me all in the name of justice. Your kind of justice. I don't believe that Lee's guilty. And I'm going to give him every chance to prove that. So if you're going to stop me, you're going to have to stop me yourself right here and now. Oh, I love it. Billy's like a foot shorter than him, but damn, he gave it to him. Billy's a good character. Oh, He's yeah. a good, strong character. For sure. Stand up to anybody. Heck yeah. Especially he goes legally, out on that limb. Yeah. Too. yeah, he goes out on that limb for his friends, you know, because he knows they would have their his back. Which Lee and Amanda just had his back with, you know, when his friend was killed in uh, Reach for the Sky. So, you know, he definitely has, they've proven it. What? What's so funny? I still remember. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, you remember the Call Me a Cab one. 
Remember when his friend with the cy- um, Cyclops? Remember the die with the Cyclops? I do remember all that. But yeah. his friend got... Which that was, was his, his friend. friend. His friend was um, a gainy. Yeah. This is what happens when you get old. Like... I'm, I'm a year or two. <laughs> I'm two years younger than you, girl. Come on. I don't remember. <laughs> I'll be screwed if I start losing more memory now. So now we have Sonia and Alexi are at a completely different site, which this is what they did. They wanted to isolate Lee so that he would have to go with them and... and you know, defect. So they kept Alexi from him because if he kills him, then they don't have anything, right? And Sonia was there to keep him away so that they could take care of getting lead into Russia's airspace, I guess, right? And uh, Alexi's like, he's not coming here. And Sonia's like, it isn't even time. He, he goes, he's not coming here at all. She goes, you, how can there be a mistake? This is what I copied from Rostov's letter. Drop to Stetson. Monix Reclamation 830. And shoves it in his face and he goes, enough, and throws it down. Stetson would not pick such a place. To an old spy, it just doesn't smell right. She goes, maybe Rostov picked it. Oh, undoubtedly. A bureaucrat with a thin imagination would think this a delightful place for intrigue. She goes, that's the answer then. He'll be here. And he starts coughing. She goes, grandfather. And he keeps coughing. And then he's like, Puts his gun up to her and she's like, okay, I'm stepping back. He goes, Stetson would never agree, but you know that. So he's finally catching on. He goes, huh, Sonia? You don't, she goes, you don't trust me? He goes, you're my granddaughter. She goes, I want you out of this. I did it for you. He goes, at least don't try to deceive an old deceiver. Sonia, Sonia Chukka. Sonia, I don't know how you say that. Sonia Chukka. How do you say that? It's obviously a Russian way of saying Sonia. Uh, Sonia Chanka. Sonia Chenko. Does it have an N? No, her her name is Sonia Chenko. It's like it's like a um it's like an endearment like in Russian Sonia English Chica. they'll add like uh like uh it'll be it this isn't exact but it's like little Sonia or like it's it's just like uh they'll add that ending to like a someone that they're close to. Okay, it's yeah. Sonia Chika. Sonia Chika, I think. Son Sonichka. Sonichka. That's what it is. Sonichka. S-O-N-I-C-H-K-A. Sonichka. Yeah. Yeah. Sonichka. Yeah, that's right. So. As a non-Russian speaker, doesn't know anything. <laughs> that sounds good to me. It, it sounds right. We'll go with that. I, I think we'll go with remembering that. when he said it, I think it's Sonichka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at least don't try to deceive an old deceiver, Sonichka. And then he's got his arm around her with the gun just sitting right there. It's got to be off-putting, you know? He goes, Rostov must have pointed out that you look good in Moscow. You got them uh, the stemwater frequencies. But if my plan had worked, the agency would have eliminated Stetson and you would look even better. She goes, well, it's true. With Stetson, Rostov can ignore your threats. But this bloodthirst of yours, it can get us both killed, even by our own people. And then he starts coughing. This is why they had this so that he could pretend that he's you know, not feeling well because she goes to grab for his gun and he's not. Not so fast. That American cough syrup, wonderful medicine. A little test. We are, we're survivors. Never completely trust anyone. It's how we survive. You were helping Rostov take Stetson. And she nods. Rostov left me no choice. He goes, neither do I. And then he shoves the gun into her and grabs her and he says, take me to Stetson. Or you will be running from my wrath all your life. Even if you are flesh of my flesh. I have enough, he goes, I have enough <laughs> friends left in the KGB to make your life a living hell. Oof. 
damn. He's, he hates Stetson more than he loves his granddaughter. I know. Exactly. It's, it's that like, vendetta. Dang. It's all he has. He's just laser focused on it. That was so wasn't uh, Kate up on that thing where they have her with the binoculars. It was like a stand in. <laughs> it was like so not her. You could tell. Um, so then you see from her vantage point, the point of view uh, through the binoculars, you see Lee and he comes out of the shadows and she goes, um, she tells him uh, through the earpiece, back up into the shadows. You you got no cover. And he goes, how's that? She says, better. So she says, okay, I got Rostov. I've got Rostov to your left and two men with him at the top of the bleachers. And they've got their guns pointed at Lee, of course. He goes, yeah, I see them. Alexi? And she goes, not yet. Or Billy or Francine. He goes, maybe they're dug in down here somewhere. He goes, all right, here I go. So he's got a gun, but he's got his earpiece in there. And he says, if you see Lexi, Alexi, sing out. And she goes, yep, loud and long. Good luck. So then the two men are coming at each other. And now, thank goodness, we have Billy and Francine there. So they're coming up behind the, the two goons up at the top. And they, they come up and, and disarm them. So then Lee finally sees that Billy's taking care of him. Uh, taking care of those guys so he doesn't have to worry because he can take on he can take on Rostov no problem and then he's also got Amanda for backup Rostov says no sign of your friend he goes you made sure he knew somehow I doubt Alexi's coming perhaps you should allow us to chaperone you to safety my men have guns aimed at you so let's keep this pleasant all right really you brought two men to take in Scarecrow please dude he goes then you got Billy and Francine and then he goes then Lee sees it and says thanks Billy and then he tells Amanda, take a look around. I got a bad feeling about this. And then as she's she's like, I'm looking. And as she's looking, Sonia jumps down from above. And Amanda knocks her gun out and grabs it and uh, points it at, at Sonia. I bet she wants to shoot her. Can you imagine the woman she had to listen to eating her boyfriend, practically yeah, devouring her, her boyfriend? Wouldn't you just be like, night oh, she tried to, she tried to escape. Sorry. Like, no one's there to witness it. So, like, it's just her. She's got a lot of restraint, I tell you what. <laughs> That's not a You give her a cake or something. <laughs> yeah, I would totally punch her. Yeah, bitch slapper. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, just as that happens, then uh, Alexi's up in, like, the t- tower, and he's got a, sh- a gun, and he shoots at Lee. And so Lee takes cover. Now, in the script, it's a little different because... Uh, Rostov actually is killed, which later he's in the oh. further episode, uh, you know, late in the season. So uh, that wouldn't have been possible if he would have actually been killed. So they actually didn't shoot him. Uh, he isn't, isn't killed. They just capture him at this point uh, in the actual film version. So Lee then yanks out the, the earpiece and he's taking shots at Alexi. And then he runs to try and get out of the way. So he's got some cover. And starts climbing up the stairs. And Le- Alexi's got a got to reload because he's just got a, a rifle. And so Lee takes that time to get up closer. So now Alexi's got to leave his spot because now he's going to be a sitting duck there. He gets down and, and goes into the like the locker room area. And Lee climbs up. He's getting further and further, uh, closer and closer to to him. That would have been, oh, I am afraid of heights. I don't like heights. And he's Lee's Bruce is actually really up high. <laughs> so that freaks me out. So now these two are just chasing each other. So we, uh, you know, they're firing and then he goes through a fire exit and gets kind of into the, uh, the back end of the stadium rather than where the audience always sits. It's more behind the scenes kind of stuff and the locker rooms and all that. So then Lee, uh, comes in 
right behind him. Alexi hears him and then they head off. Now we got the square off into the locker room. Again, not Bruce there. <laughs> the guy was way smaller. So, of course, Lee's got to enter with his little uh, somersault in that he loves so much. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so now they're just hiding. They're, they're only at, like, lockers between each other. And then, and then he yells, this is fitting, just the two of us. Perhaps it should have always been just the two. Yeah, then you would have... He's, he's saying we don't need the women involved in all this, you know, because his granddaughter betrayed him and then Amanda's been an ally to Lee. So he probably does would have rather had it just be the two of them. He would have had a little bit uh, closer uh, fight, probably. He goes, your Mrs. King has been a great ally to you. Yeah, she's hot in bed, too. No, sorry. Uh, he goes, you're going to lose. He goes, not so. All I need is you and I win. What other recourse do I have? Deportation? Another trip to the gulag. I'm dead now. I simply want you to join me. They're so Russians. They seem they're just so poetic. You know, it's everything's so poetic. And it's just them fighting back and forth. This is, you know, usually their scenes are the fight scenes and the chase scenes and everything are a little boring to me. This one's kind of exciting. It's like when when they're yelling and that he'll yell and then he shoots and then he goes full distraction on him. Like, yeah, this over here. Yeah. This over here. It jumps over the top. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they fight and Lee loses his, loses his gun, picks it up, but then he lost his clip uh, because he was in mid clip chain exchange right then. And so now Alexi's found his clip. That's got all his bullets in it. So he knows he doesn't have any, throws it in the tub and then Lee still has his empty one, so he puts it in. So Alexi now thinks he still has a third one, right? And then he puts his gun down, throws one thing here, throws another, and then, yeah, jumps over the top and then tackles him. I mean, we all know that Lee, who's like 35 here, is going to kick his butt, who's like in his mm-hmm. 60s. That's what I thought. Yeah, like he's no sure. chance. And he just, he kicks his ass. And then I love it, he throws him in that big pail of water <laughs> and billy comes in and he's like scarecrow scarecrow come on it's okay it's over you know he wanted to kill him alexi is a little wet there and then amanda comes in and she just they i love they just can have a look at each other you know mm-hmm. that's actually not bruce fighting him putting him in the water either <laughs> now it is okay scarecrow let's take the catch of the day back to dr smith i'm going to enjoy explaining to him how stemwinder was really blown let's go come on and then they just look at each other. And Amanda says, yes, sir. And then they just give each other the biggest smiles. I, it's like they're it's like they're feeling each other's arms to make sure that they weren't hurt or anything. You know what I mean? Like checking for broken yeah. bones and stuff. It's very sweet. Um, and then they they go walk off to follow Billy and Francine. And uh, she gets up on the steps and then she gets down. It was kind of cute. Um, in the script, it's a little different. Like I said, um, Rostov is killed. So... Angle up past Lee. Alexi is about to shoot. Lee yanks Rostov's arm, dives for cover between groundskeeping machinery as a shot splits through the air and takes Rostov off his feet, a bullet intended for Lee. Lee's shots sing off the tower. And then exterior scoreboard. Sonia is knocked back by a blow from Amanda's forearm. Amanda has her own gun aimed at Sonia. Her eyes flick off Amanda's to Rostov lying dead, but no Lee. Amanda says... We're going down there to Mr. Melrose. I can't miss from here. She says, so what she's saying is to Sonia, we're going down there and I can't miss you from here. So don't, don't push me because I'll freaking shoot you. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
And Sonia says, you won't have to prove it, meaning I'm not going to do anything. Amanda retrieves the fallen radio and into the radio says, Lee, I've got Sonia. Are you okay? And then Lee says into the radio, I'm fine. I'm going after Lexi. Take Sonia to Billy. Lee stands up for cover, running. Alexi's next shot makes him dive and roll, losing his radio. So instead of him pulling it out like he did, Alexi drops off the light tower, runs for and scoots into a door marked exit. So this is another scene when he's got the water. So Lee suppresses his killer instinct as the adrenaline subsides. He staggers back from the tub. Lee says to Amanda, you okay? You saved my skin. Amanda throws her arms around Lee. Billy may, Billy may be too busy with Lexi to notice the new romantic quality of the hug. Amanda says, I'm fine. You're all wet. He goes, uh-huh. Now so are you. Billy interrupts this eyeball to eyeball exchange as Alexi kneels coughing for now for real. Billy says, come on, Scarecrow. Let's get the catch of the day back to, to Dr. Smith. I'm going to enjoy explaining to him how Stemmerone really got blown. Billy hauls Alexi toward the door behind him. Lee and Amanda share another long hug. Freeze frame, fade out. End of act four. So that's how that is a little different. I kind of like that one a little better. <laughs> Not that Ross I like it because it has more like in Amanda, yeah. like involvement in yes. it. Yes, and her saying like, "Don't make me use this because I I can I won't miss." You know, right? Especially she has you. she had all the motive. Just yes, give her a reason. Exactly. Just, Just give her the breathe wrong, and she's gonna load yeah. you up. Yes, totally. Yeah. I I do kind of wish they would have done maybe a hybrid of those two. You know what we yeah. saw in that. So that's cute, though. All right. So then what we have is the tag. In uh, film version, Amanda walks Joe out to the front porch to see him out. Now he's, you know, he's done his his dadly duties and now he's being released. She's home now and they've had dinner and everything. So she says, well, I don't think I've seen the boys this well behaved in an awful long time. He goes, well, I sure did. I sure enjoyed it. Well, the, that part, at least. She goes, she says, maybe one day I'll be able to tell you what this was all about, Joe. He goes, mm, I know enough about the agency to know that maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> so she, they kiss on the lips and Lee kind of gives up mm, like a grimace. Like, and, and they say, <laughs> like flinched. yeah, he flinched. He definitely flinched. And then she waves goodbye and goes in the house. And then Amanda comes in and, and Dottie's cleaning, doing the dishes. The boys go up and Amanda's cleaning the, the plates off the table. She goes, I wish you'd met this agent Melrose. He was polite, but threatening. <laughs> I have a mind to write to somebody. She goes, oh, I'm sure he was just doing his job. She goes, all this boo-ha-ha about a couple of people from a film company. And then Amanda hears a little tap at the window. I love this. She looks around and it's him and he gives her a little a little smooch kiss. It's kind of cute. And then she tells him to go out back. She'll be right there. And then you hear Dottie still talking. And she's like, I don't understand everything. I admit. But people talking about traitor and fugitive and you running off with some strange man alone. I'm supposed to just stand here and accept this as normal behavior. And she says, the Ferguson's dog's in the backyard again, mother. And she goes, oh, get him if you can. <laughs> So Amanda, I know. (laughs) So then Amanda comes out and they hug really hard and then kiss. And she about grabs his tush. (laughs) She does grab his tush and says, "Oh, Oh, I missed you. I missed you too. Yeah. So I have a big surprise for you. Yeah. What? Doctor Smith. Mm Mm-hmm. Never holds a grudge. Oh. He's so impressed, he wants to offer you a full-time job. Working with you? I think that can be arranged. Oh, good. 
So, how is everybody? Oh, everybody's fine. Mom, the kids. Fine, fine. Your ex? He's fine. Yeah. You're jealous. Don't be jealous. <laughs> I love him. I'm always going to love him. But I'm in love with you. Amanda, did you get him? I'm working on it. <laughs> so that's so cute so in the script it is, there is some differences in the in the tag in the script so okay. amanda says when lee appears outside the den when uh den door and catches amanda's eye he steps back into the gloom Dottie and the boys don't see and amanda says oh no the caskill's rabbit is loose again and raiding your herb garden i'll get him so amanda steps out and finds lee in the back in back in the shadows they embrace and kiss. Amanda looks around a little nervous. Amanda says, after all we just went through, this still feels like sneaking. He goes, I missed you. She said, good, I missed you too. And then he says, and I've got a surprise for you. Dr. Smith never holds a grudge, which I'm sorry, but why would Dr. Smith hold a grudge? She should be holding the damn grudge. Yeah. It seems like he would hold a grudge though. <laughs> yeah, he totally would. But, un- un- you know, yeah. it's unnecessary True. and, un- you know, not right. So then he says, so everything okay? The boys, mom, the ex. She goes, you were watching, weren't you? Off is silent. She goes, don't get jealous on me. Joe's a wonderful man. Lee, we've grown apart. I've, I'll always love him, but not like you. And then a beat. She says, you know what you were saying before about putting off your life until now? He goes, I meant it. I want to start living with you. And she says, what? And then before Lee can answer, Dottie opens the door off screen and says, Amanda, did you catch that damn sneak thief or what? <laughs> Dottie to Amanda, Lee is gone into the shadows, and Amanda says, He got away this time, mother, but I'll get him yet. And then we fade out. <laughs> Isn't that cute? That is cute? I like him saying that he wants to start. Uh, I know, me her, too. So. I should have left that in there. I know. I said, There's like, they should have made a hybrid of these, the two. Yeah. You know, those last two scenes that we saw. Anyways, it was very sweet. So I, I do yes. like this one. It's uh, definitely, I like, I'm a plot, more plot person. I mean, I love the romance, but I like that it's a, a more intelligent uh, plot than some of the other yeah. ones that we get in some of the episodes, you know? It just seemed more well thought out, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, my hat's off to Robert Gilmer and, and George Geiger, man. They they wrote a, a awesome uh, story arc, you know, with the, the two, yeah. two shows, I thought. It had so many layers. So many layers. You had the jealous, you had the jealous Amanda, you had the jealous Lee, you have the intrigue, you have backstabbing, you have this, you know, plot within a plot within a plot. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorites well of well roundedness, you know? Yeah. It's got everything. It's really good. Yeah, it was really good. So good job to them. To everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, that was good. Ernie the camera. Brings you videos from the video vault for the episode Stem Winder. The first video is set to the song By Your Side by Sade. Sade is probably best known for the song Smooth Operator, released in 1984, which if anyone's around in the 80s knows that song. Lexi, do you know that song? I sure do. <laughs> okay. I was around in the 80s. But, yep. <laughs> okay. Moxie's SNK vids put the video together, and it is a great dedication to Stem Winder, both part one and two. It's a lot of great scenes in that video. The second video is based on a lovely song, Feels Like Heaven by Peter Cetera, 
with Shaka Khan from 1992. This video is created by Love SNK and is set from Lee's point of view and is really a perfect summary of his history and feelings for Amanda. She really is like Kevin watching over him. We have provided links to these videos on our website at nkcpodcast.com and they can also be found on YouTube. Mrs. Marston received a new letter in her mailbag from Kathy S. She said, ladies, love your podcast. You are always so thorough with your analysis. I was disappointed this morning, though, with your commentary on Fast Food for Thought. You stated that Ron Gilmer was an executive producer on Wedding Bells, but failed to mention that Bruce was one of the stars. His character's love for his late wife always reminds me of Lee's love for Amanda. Plus, there are pictures of a young Charlie, Bruce's character, that are definitely pictures of a young Bruce. You definitely need to check it out. Try the Hallmark Channel. It airs probably at least once a month. Great podcast, though. I do love your take on many of the scenes. Can't wait for your next installment. Kathy. And she signs it, SMKKMS. So, Kathy, definitely appreciate your comment and reaching out to us. You know, we love to hear from our listeners. Um, I, I have to say, but in a lot of the Scarecrow and Mrs. King episodes, there are recurring characters. There's recurring um, people that are that are within it, um, actors, what have you. So, um, we did mention it when we recorded Stemwinder uh, Part 1 a few weeks ago. Bruce is in Wedding Bells. This episode hasn't been released yet. It'll be released soon but if we had it this would have been a great time to mention it because both Semwider part one and two were written by uh, Rob Gilmer as well so thanks Kathy for that. As always um, we do appreciate any uh, comments or just um, interest that our listeners have. So if you would also like to be featured during our Mail with Mrs. Marston segment, be sure to send us a note via email to mrskingschronicles at gmail.com, or you can submit it as a comment on our website, uh, which is mkcpodcast.com. Once again, it's time for Dottie's Bookshelf, where we'll provide fanfic recommendations that tie into this episode. Dottie's first recommendation is called Baby Me by Two Phantoms. The story was written in January 2002 and has about 4,300 words. While trying to fall asleep in their hideaway, Amanda goes over in her head the discussion that she and Lee had in her bedroom just before they jumped out of the window. Does he really feel he needs to baby her out in the field? Dottie's second recommendation is called Not Quite Perfect, written by Ayanan 2. The story was written in May of 2009 and has about 5,900 words. In this story, our favorite couple struggle with their ideas of what their first time should be like. Let's just say they both win in the end. Dottie's final recommendation is called Hideaway and was written by Lainey Sullivan in June of 2016 and has about 2,000 words. Both Lee and Amanda are struggling with what's to come the next day when they meet up with Rostov and Makarov. Foregoing sleep, the two are able to work through things and then they're able to work through things. Did I mention this one is rated M for mature audiences? That does it for Dottie's Bookshelf. As always, we'll provide links to these stories on our website at mkcpodcast.com in the show notes. You can also find all three at fanfiction.net. That wraps up our discussion on Stemwinder Part 2. Unlike this episode where Lee feigns defecting to get him and Amanda out of trouble, our next episode will feature Season 4's No Thanks for the Memory, where we'll meet Zemed Dorloff, a novice KGB agent with genuine interest in defecting. Stay tuned for that. If you're looking for more fun in the meantime, be sure to check out our website, like Taya and Jen already mentioned, or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MKC Podcast or in our private Facebook group, Mrs. King's Chronicles. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.